Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And I have a really good friend on today.、Uh, the guest's name is Nina Yi. And we just have a conversation about how the COVID 19 pandemic is affecting her worship leading as a worship leader at our church and even her work、um, and how she plans on using kind of the downtime given to her forcibly by, pan- by the pandemic.、Um, and we even get to talk a little bit about the、uh, Helm culture from A female and also someone who's a good bit younger than Andy and I when, when we talked about it. So I hope you guys enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And I have, you know, th- this podcast kind of makes me nervous、um, because I've known Nina for such a long time.、Um, <laughs> but, anyways, welcome to the podcast, Nina Yi. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah,、um, I think with the exception of my brother and John m u k s a n i m you might, I might have known you the longest of all the people I've had on my podcast. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, yeah, that makes、yeah. sense. Because I've known you since. since... Like 2010, yeah, so, maybe earlier. Yeah, so yeah. long ago that I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it has to be earlier than 2010. Yeah, yeah. Because that's when I was, 2010, I was a sophomore in high school, and I'm pretty sure I knew you before that. Yeah, so yeah. it was, I mean, because I wasn't attending our church at the time, but I、mm-hmm. was kind of in and out because my parents and my brother were. Yeah. And, and the reason why it makes me nervous is. Like, something I recently recognized and realized about myself is I have, I definitely have a podcast like personality, like a separate personality in my podcast.、Mm-hmm. And in my everyday life, like, I have a completely different personality. I feel like I'm a lot, like, because I want the podcast to be uplifting, I'm a lot nicer on the podcast. But in real life, especially to people I'm like really close to and like I've known for a long time, I'm really mean, you know, like I like cracking jokes and stuff like that.、Yes. So there's, there's like、This、an internal true, struggle. This is true, everyone. <laughs> This is there's, true. There's God, like, is, God is saying something to him. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's an internal struggle right now, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, so, Nina, thanks for being on.、Um, uh, yeah, there are several things. Um, several things I wanted to talk to you about because,、um, yeah, I, I think it, it's not really so much about like a specific topic, but I feel like there are things in your life that we can learn from, and it's just, just really interesting to talk about.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, you were recently on、um, Harvest's Tuesday Talks. So, for people, who don't know what, <laughs> for people who don't know what Harvest is, it's a ministry started by Selena. Uh, Selena Chang and Jane Mo, who、mm-hmm. were also previous guests. But it's, it's a, I might have them on one day, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But it's basically they're trying to empower girls, right?、Um, through their ministry.、Mm-hmm. And you were on kind of talking about your faith journey, right?、Mm-hmm. And one of the big components of your faith journey is worship, because you, you're a worship leader.、Um, and even during these quarantine times, you're, One of the few like skeleton crew members who still goes to church to put on the live service. Yes.、Um, so, yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. How,、uh, like, what is worship to you and how has it really shaped you? And especially from the perspective 
of a leader of a worship leader yeah so um um sorry for those of you guys who tuned in on harvest's live stream because i'm probably going to repeat a lot of what i already said on there um but yeah worship so i've been on praise team and a worship leader for um man definitely more than 10 years maybe like 12 or 13 years now um i started when i was in middle school so it's been a really long time and it's definitely been a lot of growing pains and a lot of learning and i'm still growing and still learning um but i guess going back to your question of what is what is worship to me i think over time in the beginning it was definitely my way of being known and being seen by other people um i think when you're in those teenage years like you're so desperate for people to want to acknowledge you and um you know pat you on the back and compliment you and all of these things and i think um yeah i saw like all of these older people doing it and i was like that's so cool i want to be like them and so it became more of a platform for me in the beginning and um just a way to look cool but i think over time worship became my foundation um i mean i've loved music since i was young even before joining praise team and so um i knew that i always had this i guess emotional connection when it came to worship i think um like when i hear hear a specific song from a specific point in my life it kind of takes me back to that point in my life um and so worship just kind of became that for me worship it became my way of connecting with not only who i am and who and my journey in my faith um but also who god is and my kind of relationship with him um for me more than you know prayers and conversations with god or more than like reading his scripture which i still do obviously and it's still a huge part in your faith journey um but i think worship um is my way of really being able to connect with him and understanding his heart um a little bit more than maybe the other ways that we use to obviously connect with him um and so yeah worship has just really become my foundation in my faith journey i think especially over time and there's still a lot to learn and um a lot to grow in within worship but um that's kind of what it is to me mm-hmm. and that kind of went into and played into um uh, my role as a worship leader um and wanting and having that heart of wanting to lead other people into that space as well and mm-hmm. um you know for those few people who may have that kind of same emotional connection to music and to worship as me um i want to be able to provide a road and a space for them to meet Christ um in the in the place of that worship. And so um that's kind of my heart behind the ways I lead worship or my role as a worship leader. Mm. So um I, I understand like the growth part when you say there's a mm-hmm. lot more to learn and grow. Do you mean kind of the spiritual side or do, do you mean more from like a technical side? 
Because there's so, there's two aspects, right? Oh, okay. Yes, there are definitely two aspects. I think um, worship definitely you you kind of sort of need the technical aspect, um, and you also definitely need that spiritual aspect. And um, when I mentioned growing and learning, I definitely mean both. Um, I think there's still so much to learn technically, whether it's um, in the ways that I play an instrument or in the ways that I sing, um, and also in the ways of speaking, I guess, as well. Um, Because, Mm. you know, as a worship leader, there are speaking moments um, where you um, read scripture or say certain things um, to, you know, encourage your congregation to worship alongside with you and things like that and so I definitely lack in that part I'm terrified of public speaking and so um, it's definitely a part of worship that I lack on so in that part I personally have a lot of growth to do Um, but yeah I think technically there's always something to learn and even with not just only the on-stage stuff but behind the scenes stuff with um, like the mixers and all of that kind of thing. I still have no idea how to do those things. And so that's Mm -hmm. also a learning thing um, too. And definitely, definitely spiritually, I have so much to learn. Um, I think, I don't think like in this life, um, in whatever capacity that we serve or do something for the church um, or for the kingdom, I don't think we're ever going to master one thing. So in this topic, we're obviously talking about worship leading, but I don't think in this life or even in the next life, like I could ever um, master leading worship. And so spiritually, obviously, I'm not perfect. And I have so much to grow in just in my own faith. And I wrestle with God. I wrestle with myself every single day. And, um, you know, like any one of us, I have my good days and I have my bad. And um, that obviously affects, you know, my worship leading as well. And so spiritually learning to lean on God, um, even when I lead a song, um, I'm learning how to lead that song. If it's a new song, then obviously I have to learn a new way to learn a new song, um, by, you know, really reading the lyrics and making sure I understand what I'm singing and what I'm leading um the congregation in and so in that aspect definitely um i think spiritual growth is probably the biggest part where we constantly have to work on and um work towards i think mm. i don't know if that made sense but <laughs> no, yeah, that did that did so yeah, i wanted to ask you a little bit about um from a technical like a vocalist perspective because mm-hmm. although right now you are leading with the guitar you're mainly like a vocalist right yes um and uh, me and my wife say this all the time. We, we feel like you're one of the best vocalists that, well, definitely our favorite vocalist that we know. Um, and all, so much so that you are actually, you sang the, what's it called? The celebration the, song? Yeah, what's the congratulatory song. Yeah, the congratulatory wedding? song. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for people out there who want to, um, obviously priority in leading worship is, uh, developing like your spiritual like sensitivity and and you know like really understanding how to lead people in worship but it's also mm-hmm. important to work on the technical side right mm-hmm. so like do you have any advice on how to develop that part 
of your skill set, like the vocal part? Oh man. Um yeah, well thank you for the compliments. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad at taking compliments, but thank you. Um yeah, I think I mean, there is no one wrong or right right way, and I don't even think that I specifically had a like um, particular method that I used to um, like learn how to sing better because obviously I didn't sound like I sound now um, earlier when I was first joining Seam, I was really bad didn't know how to harmonize or anything um, but a lot of what I did is um, just singing along to um, like any and all worship songs um, I would just play it when I'm at home doing nothing or in the car when I drove and different things like that. And I would just like, even this is kind of funny, but uh, my sister and I would like play a song and we would take turns like harmonizing different parts just to like, we were, we were obviously goofing around, but it definitely helped because, um, you know, as a vocalist, there are times where you don't just sing the melody and you have to harmonize different parts. Um, and so, um, it really helped develop my kind of understanding of, okay, what does a harmony mean? And um, how can I sing that in this particular song and different things like that? So definitely tons and tons of practice. But um, yeah, not only just listening and singing along, but also um, watching like people who are older than me and watching different worship leaders, um, whether like famous ones or not famous ones. And um, you know, just unusable buzz from the community. I think just watching them and how they do it um, helped a lot too. Like um, Helen Bay, I don't know if she's been on the podcast before, but um, oh, I think she was on the last one with me. Yeah, with the with parasite, parasite one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she was actually my worship leader for a really long time um, in youth group, and um, I learned a lot from just watching her sing. Um, and the way that she um, just kind of carried her voice. And I definitely, I remember asking a lot of questions of like, okay, how do I sing this particular part? Or, um, you know, things like that. I also saw some really like um, basic, basic vocal training voices too, or vocal training videos too. So like just, mm. you know, the aspect of like, you know, opening up your diaphragm and, you know, felt like singing with like a tight stomach and all of this like technical things. Um, but I think, yeah, you ultimately, I think you have to want to get better. And this is with anything, not only just singing, but you want, you have to want to get better. And with that wanting, you will find ways to get better. And obviously that's with a lot of practice and finding your ways of like just watching people or practicing over and over again and, uh, different things like that. yeah so I, yeah. because i asked the question because when you first start something if you have absolutely no idea how to even begin mm -hmm. getting better it can be difficult but yeah. i think the two pieces of advice that you gave are crucial like one um like going online and looking up uh voice coaching videos i think that's mm -hmm. very simple to do and also to um, like look to those older than you look to those who came before you to kind of use them as your examples right and yeah. to like try to follow them mimic them I think that that's like really really good um, solid way to like get started and if you mm -hmm. have that desire to keep getting better then you'll like you said find more ways to get improved 
like to improve upon that as well, right? Right. So yeah, I I really appreciate that. Um, and I alluded to this in the beginning, but we we talked about how you are. So it's me, you, our, our pastor, Pastor John, and Tim, who show up mm-hmm. every Sunday on uh, Sunday morning to put on the live stream. Right? I'm just in the background mm-hmm. doing the video and all that. But you're in the you're like on the actual stand, still playing guitar, like still singing. Um, and it's the action is the same, but it's vastly different, right? Because you know mm-hmm. we have the the speakers don't even work anymore. We we have everything connected. <sighs> directly into the computer for the mm-hmm. live stream so it's when you're playing it sounds like you're doing it completely like acoustic yeah and there's no one in the congregation except me behind the laptop yeah. um, so those are very different uh, you know it's a very different environment right so how mm-hmm. has the transition been going from leading worship in a room like with you know usually like 50 people to now mm-hmm. like two people sitting in the in the pews yeah, um, the transition definitely has been a little tough. Um, I think, yeah, you know, it's always just weird um, trying to lead worship in an empty room, um, like in this case, completely empty, except for obviously David in the back. But um, I think, yeah, the transition in the beginning, um, I think. I think the first maybe week or two, I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, okay, let's just do it. Um, and I think it was because we were just in the midst of all the craziness of first settling into quarantine and figuring out how to even do a live stream and different things like that. Um, but once we kind of got our footing down, um, yeah, I mean, even t- till this day, it's still really tough. Um, and I think it's just, almost like a psychological thing. Um, It's just hard to kind of create a space for a space that doesn't have anybody, even though you know that there are people watching through a screen. Um, For me, I I don't know, maybe it's just a mental thing, but it's just been kind of tough to grasp. Um, Hmm. And I think another part of that is like you mentioned earlier, I am mainly a vocalist. I don't really play guitar. Um, and so I know basic, you know, the four chords and I can, you know, play just about any song as long as it can have a capo and those four chords. And so I think because of that and because I'm playing guitar every Sunday too, um, I definitely have to concentrate a lot more on my guitar, which hinders me from concentrating on like the songs that I'm actually leading or um, like how I'm leading through the screen, if that makes sense. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the transitions definitely, I mean, we're, we're living in weird, weird times. <laughs> and so um, it's been a little, yeah, difficult for me if I'm not going to lie, but um, I also think there was this um, one Sunday a couple weeks ago, I led a song that's relatively new, um, but one of the lyrics said, um, oh, magnify the Lord, let us exalt his name together. And when I first heard that song, I think I was really um, just humbled and um, just taken back by the fact that even though 
the transition's been tough. And even though I'm having to learn how to lead a congregation through a screen and in an empty room, and like you said, we don't even, I can't even hear myself half the time because we don't plug our stuff into the speakers anymore. Um, but after hearing that song, um, it just really brought me back to the beauty of like, man, it's just so great that we're even able to even lead worship like this because of the technology that we have and we're still able to really sing that song together um even if we're not physically together we're virtually still together um and i mean of course even if we didn't have this technology that song we can still sing but it just kind of hit me a little bit more um and for that particular week um I wasn't so much worried about what I was playing and I was more worried about the words that I was singing and how how I wanted to challenge and encourage um, our community and our ministry to, to worship alongside with us um, during that particular song um, especially. And so, um, yeah, the challenge is still there. And I think as this quarantine progresses for how much ever longer, um, we're definitely going to see different challenges still. Um, and for me, the challenge of speaking and leading and playing guitar is obviously still going to be there. But um, yeah, I think there's a little bit more peace than there was in the beginning of just, yeah, the goodness of just being able to come together even in that way, um, which allows me to um, kind of shift my mindset and shift my heart a little bit when I do lead worship virtually. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And I am glad we talked about this because, um, for those people listening who do attend live services, I, I just want them to know and realize it's not just the same old thing for most of the worship leaders. It's, and hmm. even for the you know pastors, right. They're preaching to an empty room. I'm sure is vastly different from preaching. Um, to a camera, right? So um, I just, uh, I'm hoping that people who do attend live services will kind of appreciate the people um, uh, who are still coming out to church to put on the the service because it's not just, oh, we're, we're it's a simple transition. It's, there's so many things that are different about it and mm. everyone's just soldiering through it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I actually, I personally think that our services sound and, you know, are very good. Are, they're very well done, I think. Um, so uh, kudos to, to the team. Um, but as we're talking about the quarantine and, and the effect <laughs> of COVID-19 to our lives, um, there's another thing that mm-hmm. happened. Um, maybe, <laughs> this, this sounds really personal, but I think it's important to talk about because it's, it's happening to so many people. Mm-hmm. And also I got... For the listeners, I got permission from Nina to talk about this before. So, uh, but yeah, during your day job, something happened yes. as an impact of COVID nineteen, right? Yes. Um, so, my day job is I'm a project coordinator, um, which is um, basically in my role. I'm basically an executive assistant to um, VPs and um, different people in the company. Um, And I also work in the hospitality industry. So I work for a company um, that is definitely, definitely heavily impacted. Um, This industry, the hospitality industry, the hotel and travel industry, 
um, was probably the first to be like really, really impacted um, by COVID-19. And so, yeah, we actually got an announcement yesterday that 52% of our company was um, scheduled to be furloughed starting June 6th for um, three months. And I unfortunately was um, a part of that 52%. So um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I don't even think it would really was a shock um, just because obviously we know how hard um, COVID hit this industry. So I think most of us were anticipating that something like this was going to come sooner or later. Um, and so it wasn't too much of a shock. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not the best feeling in the world <laughs> being um, furloughed. But I think, yeah, I, I think in the beginning, I was very anxious because um, the, the message was just, they kept like dragging out the message of like, okay, this is coming, this is coming, but they wouldn't tell us like who it would impact until like mm -hmm. way later in the afternoon. And so I think because of that, it made me super anxious and super stressed out about, okay, what do I do about um, rent and all of these things. Um, but I think there was just this like wave of like calmness that came and I was like, you know, I think it'll be okay. And whatever happens, happens. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise, um, just being able to have a summer vacation <laughs> while I'm, <laughs> you know, in the corporate world, which is like, you know, never, never heard of. And so I'm just kind of in good spirits, thinking of it in a positive way and um, possibly, you know, starting up some projects or something like that, that's been kind of in the back closet. So yeah, that's kind of the the weekly news <laughs> from our company this week yeah wow so um when you talk about being furloughed from your company for those of us who don't know what what does furlough exactly mean you're, you're not fired all the way right mm -hmm. yeah so furloughed means that you um are still an employee of the company technically um and every company kind of does furlough a little bit differently, I think, but um, basically you're just, um, you're still an employee of the company, but you're not allowed to work, um, which means you normally receive like zero pay. Um, our company is actually still paying us like very, very, very little, um, like a small percentage uh -huh. of our um, paycheck. But um, yeah, basically you don't work at all. And I think the max is 90 days. At, in, in, in one period. Um, so we, I think, stretched out all 90 days. Um, wow. But um, yeah, so essentially, if you simplify, like, you're, you're still employed there, your hours have just been cut to zero. Um, and even if you want to work, you're legally not allowed to. And so um, most companies will, like, cut your access to, like, um, your calendars, emails, and stuff like that. Wow. What about like health benefits and things like that you would normally have? So for our, I don't know if it's like this for every company, but our company um, has decided to keep paying our portion of the health benefits. So they'll be, um, they'll still provide our health benefits um, throughout the furlough period. So health, health benefits. Um, and we get to still keep our like um, 
company items like our laptops and phones and things like that and we're able to use them for personal use of course along the lines of security measures but um right yeah we still get to keep those things and the company will still provide health benefits we just won't get like a full paycheck and we're not allowed to work okay but (laughs) and so is your company because with COVID 19 happening one of the things that the federal government did is if the employer uh, claims it files a claim of unemployment for the employee mm-hmm. they can receive up to like i think it's six hundred dollars a week um is your mm-hmm. is your company doing that yes so i think from what i understand i believe it's like georgia law that the company has to file it for you mm-hmm. or at least that's what i was told and so our company is filing unemployment for us um and so we are expected to get the full amount Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. So th- that's one of I mean, I know the administration has been getting a lot of uh, a lot of criticism for the way that their their response mm-hmm. to COVID-19. Right. But um, one of the good things um, through the stimulus package was um, I think with the second stimulus package that's trying to be passed in the Senate and the House of Representatives and all that in, in Congress, mm-hmm. um, the six hundred dollars a week of unemployment is supposed to extend till january of next year Uh, i'm not exactly sure how much it is uh when it is up until um right now in its current state but i think that until july 31st oh okay wow yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so oh that's good to know wait so for you then once after it's July, if the second stimulus package doesn't pass, then you wouldn't be receiving those checks, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so wow. Um, my furlough is until the end of August, and so for the first two months of my furlough, I will receive that. But then afterwards, starting in August, I'll just receive like the normal, um, like base unemployment mm. and the the weekly uh, paycheck, small paycheck that I get from my company. Yeah. So ho- hopefully that second uh, stimulus package will pass. But I-, I think we do need to give credit to the government for um, not forgetting about people who are getting laid off like this in these situations. Yeah. Because um, like I would have been really sad for you if you weren't getting anything. But because there's kind of that safety net of, mm-hmm. of the federal unemployment, um, you-, you talked about how you were going to try to, you know, do some projects that you've had on the back burner, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like the perfect time to do it. Um, when I, cause like we were talking about this yesterday and, um, w- right when you told me, I was like, Oh, wait, like she doesn't need to worry too much about finances cause she's mm-hmm. still getting something. So she should kind of pursue some things that she's really good at that she's done many times before, but hasn't really ever like gotten it kicked off. Right. So you want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, about those back burner projects that you mentioned? Yeah, um, so um, I actually was thinking about this because I think in our Sunday Bible study this past week, you asked like what our passion project was. And I said like some really like generic answer because I was like doing something else and I wasn't really um, paying attention in that first part. But um, yeah, my passion project has always been, um, well, a little bit of background. I think um something that i realized about myself is i just love celebrating people um and i love like 
you know, uh, making sure that they feel known and loved and celebrated, um, whether it's their birthday or um, like weddings or engagements or baby showers, whatever it is. And so um, one thing kind of led to another <laughs> over the last few years. And I've just really um, realized that I love wedding planning. Um, well, wedding planning specifically, but overall just event planning, like whatever event that it is, I just really enjoy doing it. Um, not only the aspect of like organizing an event from like decorating to um, like games or um, guest list, whatever it is, but also the fact that whoever I'm doing it for, um, they just feel celebrated and they feel seen um, in, in my small act of um, you know, coordinating something for them. So, um, yeah, during this kind of three month period, I was thinking about, um, getting sort of like officially certified. I think mm -hmm. I, David mentioned that I did it a couple of times, um, or, you know, my close friends, but I never did anything professionally. Um, and so, yeah, I was thinking about getting certified, um, as like a professional event planner um, mm. and then possibly like starting up like a website or Instagram or something like that um, slowly and trying to you know create a portfolio and a clientele and all of that good stuff. Um, eventually that's like my stay at home mom plan for my <laughs> five, 10 year future. So yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I haven't really thought through it much um obviously it's really only been a day since the announcement came out but um yeah. it was something that kind of popped up into my mind um when that announcement was made yeah so there i, I wasn't aware are, are there actual like classes you can take to be certified as a mm -hmm. event planner oh yeah so you can get like certified um by taking Again, I haven't done too much research, but I believe there's like options where you can take like one or like a, just like a handful of classes um, for like a cheaper price and you can get certified. But also like um, I know like UGA offers like a program for event planners um, that you can apply to and um, take. I don't know how long the classes are. I, I want to say maybe it's like a couple months or like at least one semester or something like that. Um, but you can also take a program and get certified and as like a event planner coordinator. Gotcha. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, like you said, I, I did mention that you have done it in the past and mm -hmm. like just off the top of my head, you've done like several baby showers, um, like bridal showers. You've also, uh, coordinated, um, weddings like you do. I, I feel like there's a, so many different aspects of all these events. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you say your strengths are um, when you're planning these things? What is, well, not even strength. What, what do you enjoy doing the most? Like whether it's decoration, whether it's game planning or. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think, I think my top two, um, I think would be, I love decorating. Um, obviously, I've done it in a smaller scale. I've done it in a slightly bigger scale. Um, but 
yeah, I've, I love decorating. I don't know. It's just really fun to just put things together. Um, but also, um, one of my favorite things that I've done, um, is day of coordinator for weddings. Um, again, I didn't, obviously it was, um, you know, for friends. So it wasn't like professionally done or I wasn't like, um, you know, the day of coordinator that, you know, knows everything in and out of the wedding and things like that. But um, for like, for example, I think for Selena, um, she, for her wedding, I wasn't necessarily the day of coordinator, um, but I worked with the day of coordinator for the wedding venue. Um, and so I was kind of like the liaison and I helped kind of coordinate a lot of things with her um, for Selena. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, day of coordinating, it's really stressful um, and it's yeah. a lot of work. You're constantly like running around and making sure everything's ready. And a lot of people ask you questions and um, you have to point them in the right direction and different things like that. But um despite all the stress that comes with it um i think it's just a lot of fun um it makes mm. me like i'm very i'm a busybody and so um just having that you know kind of rush of doing a bunch of things at once um is like oddly satisfying <laughs> so mm. those are probably my two favorite things yeah yeah and that that totally makes sense because um i know whenever we do something at church we look to you to do the, a lot of the decoration um, actually with Lois, um, I don't think she's ever been on the podcast, but she's, she knows she loves doing the calligraphy stuff. So yep. like you two put together, you guys put on really good decorations. Um, and I, I want to stress to people who don't know how important day of wedding plan coordinators are. If you try to pull off a wedding without a coordinator, you're, it's just going to be so stressful. You're not even going to be able to enjoy your own wedding. Um, I remember on during our wedding, we hired someone to be our coordinator. And she literally just did everything for us. Um, like she gave us the signals for when to come out to walk down the aisle, um, like during the ceremony and then like when to leave and like when to come back for the reception, like all those kind of things. And she like we gave her all the envelopes for like tipping all the different vendors. Like she took care mm -hmm. of all of that. Um, so if anybody out there is gonna get married after you know the lockdown is over and you need a coordinator you can reach out to nina because hit me up <laughs> yeah i guarantee you you won't regret that if the only you'll definitely regret trying to have a wedding without a coordinator day of coordinator and you know there's like a difference right there's a a wedding planner who kind of mm -hmm. does all the planning leading up to the wedding and then there's mm -hmm. a coordinator who like i want to i want to say like the planner is like the architect and the coordinator mm -hmm. is like the the person who like pulls off the construction, right? It's like the same yeah. thing, but in two different phases. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, basically so. the event planner will like plan all the little details with you, of like what kind of caterer you want, like all of that good mm -hmm. stuff. And then the day of person will actually like execute a lot of the things. Like, like you said, they'll usually, because um, surprisingly, not a lot of people know like, how they want to do the processional, which is like the walking down the aisle thing. And so usually they're at the back door, like queuing, you know, the bridesmaids, the groom and all of uh, them and queuing like whenever they're supposed to go into like the reception and different things like that. So it's mm -hmm. a lot of executing. 
yeah. lot of hands and, on. And yeah. like, if you think about the sheer number of people involved in the wedding, you know, because both the bride and groom's parents are involved, they're doing stuff. There's mm-hmm. uh, like friends, there's photographers, there's videographers, there's so many different things, right? And yeah. not needing to answer all their questions on the day of is the best thing you could do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if there's a coordinator, all the questions will go to the coordinator. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So no, I think uh, I think it's a great idea, Nina. You should definitely pursue that, and uh, definitely once you know if you have a Instagram and all that, we can share it on our podcast too, so yeah, people can yeah, reach out to you. <laughs> but 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 again, it's that's not the only thing she does. Like she also throws wonderful baby showers and bridal showers and things like that. So. Yeah, hit her up if, if you guys need to. Yeah, um. hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that this was your uh, stay-at-home mom dream, like dream job. So yeah. does that mean that you eventually, like, you want to, like, I guess, leave your day job? Yeah, so my day job is actually, like, not something that I am or, like, was super passionate about um i think it like the opportunity definitely fell into my lap and it's like such a great opportunity and i'm so glad that um i was you know lucky enough to be able to be in that position but um obviously my role is a coordinator role so it's a lot of administrative work and a lot of coordinating um and so it's just something that i've always done a little bit and always enjoyed and been good at and so um i was like oh why not it's like the perfect day job for me but um it wasn't like my dream and i don't think like for me growing up um like i obviously had different career aspirations um before um wanting to go into the corporate world i wanted to be a teacher for a really long time and i did you know teach sunday school and i even worked at like um a a private preschool as well and things like that but um i just realized that none of that was ever like my dream job um and i think my dream job ultimately was to be a mom um and just to be a wife and to have a family i think ultimately that was like my dream job and so um yeah hopefully you know i can reach that point where i can you know once i get married and have kids and different things like that i'm able to stay at home um but i still i didn't want to like just stay at home and you know not do anything um except for you know watch my kids i wanted to have some sort of like side hustle (laughs) um where I can, yeah, do something that I love and am am passionate about, um, which is, you know, obviously event planning. And so, yeah, ideally that would be the dream to be at home with my kids and have kind of my own work schedule um, and um, be able to plan events and coordinate different things here and there. Um, But yeah, one can only dream. No, I, but like I said, I think if you're gonna, if you ever had a perfect or if you had, a, if you ever had a good time to pursue it, I mm-hmm. think it would be now. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm really hoping that uh, you really go at, get at it. And we, as the I hope they hear this uh, community, we will try to keep you accountable so that you don't, you don't lose sight of it. <laughs> um, 
one one last topic that I wanted to bring up um, mm-hmm. is, in, in fact, on this podcast, you actually mentioned the term, you know, Anni and Opa a lot, mm-hmm. which is, you know, older brother, older sister from a female's perspective in Korean. And mm-hmm. I had an episode that I recorded with Andy Eun about Hyung culture and mm-hmm. I actually told the story of when I felt like, uh, like when I felt that responsibility and it was actually uh, a story about you i don't know if you remember but we were as a church we were hanging out at a coffee shop and someone came in saying oh somebody hit this car does this car belong to anybody and it turned out to be your car in the parking lot yeah and then you you went out to go look at it and i didn't think much of it and i was just in the coffee shop but then you came back later and you were like Hey, can you like help me out? I don't really know what I'm doing. And I kind of use that as an example of like a time where I felt kind of that young, or I guess in this case, the oppa responsibility, right? Mm. And so I wanted to get your perspective on this because one of the things that I said on that podcast is I felt like the young oppa, oppa, uh, you know, onni duna culture was kind of dying amongst mm-hmm. our community and our generation. What, what do you think? Hmm. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I do think that it is, I, I kind of agree. I do think that it is slowly dying. Um, I don't know it's, if it's because, you know, as a generation comes, they're more Americanized and like less and less we lose that um, Korean identity, I think, um, because we're, you know, so immersed, like even in our generation, we're already so immersed in the American culture. I can't only imagine what our younger generations are. Um, and so I do feel like, yeah, it is slowly like, like even my, my brother, he's like six years younger than me. Um, he doesn't speak very good Korean, um, but he like never calls me Muna. Like, not even mm, wow. as he, like, refers to me, to my parents. He's, like, Nina. He never, well, it's kind of similar, I guess. But he doesn't, <laughs> you know, call me. <laughs> he doesn't call me older sister. He calls me by, like, my first name. And yeah. so, um, and I think that's, like, you know, very true for majority of, um, like, his age friends, too. And he's, like, 18 right now. But, mm. um yeah, I don't know. Definitely, definitely feel like it's it's lacking. And I, I also think it's also because, like, because we are also American. Like, for example, like for us to the generation below us, I think we are America's Americanized enough where we don't also like really, really enforce it either. Mm-hmm. I think like people older than us and even people older than them, like there was a little bit more of like, Oh, why aren't you calling me Hyung or Nuna or Oppa? Because like mm. they were still very fresh in that Korean culture. But I think slowly, even as we are immersed in American culture, like we don't sit, we don't really like force them to call us that, and so they like lose it off of their tongue. And then obviously they won't care if you know people younger than them call them that. And so mm. I think it's kind of a trickle down effect. But yeah, I definitely how, how still that... have that culture within me <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. I, I can see that but how how does that make you feel do you feel like oh it's kind of whatever or do you feel like we're something we're losing something important to our culture or 
Any any opinions? Um, I think. I think if I'm honest, I would. I'm probably more in that kind of whatever stage because I don't、mm. think I ever really thought of it until you just asked me that question just now. <laughs> and so I that obviously I think kind of like. You know, assumes that I never really cared enough to think about it.、Um, but if I do, kind of like stop and think about it, I think it's. A, I think it's a little bit sad,、um, even though it's such a like minuscule part of our Korean culture and Korean identity.、Um, I think it's something that so like, like for me, it, growing up, like I couldn't. I couldn't not call anybody a neuropa if they were older than me. I felt like I was being like so disrespectful and so rude. Like even sometimes, like jokingly or unknowingly, I'll just call you David, and you'll be like, "What did you say? Why do you call me neuropa?" <laughs> <laughs> and so, like even growing up, like you know, even in that joking sense, I like for me, like I just felt like, "Oh, they're older than me. Obviously, they're on me. Obviously, they're oppa." But.、Um, So I, I think that it is a little bit sad that we're losing that part.、Um, but if I'm being honest, I I really didn't think about it until now. You know that's interesting because like you you say you didn't really think about it, but、mm-hmm. even during this podcast, just hearing you talk, it is something that you at least subconsciously really think of highly, right? Because、mm-hmm. even. When when you talk about like how your development and your worship leading really happened, like one of the first things you mentioned is, oh, I look to my unnis and opas, you know, like you look、mm-hmm. to the people that came before you, and and so it's obvious that it's in your culture. It's obvious、mm-hmm. that you you do think of it highly,、mm-hmm. but it it is interesting to hear that like you haven't really thought about it much. Yeah, I think like also too,、um, for me. Um, I think I grew up in a situation where I literally didn't have a lot of like, if we're talking like church specifically, there was maybe like one person that was my age. Everybody else,、um, like growing up in youth group, and even like once I got into our like college ministry, like everybody was older than me, and so I think it was just so like written in me that. Like oh, this person is on me, and this person is on me,、um, and so I kind of like. Whereas I feel like right now,、um, when I see a lot of like our younger students and、um, the younger generation, like they they pretty much hang out with people that are their age,、hmm. um, and so I feel like also too like they don't really have unless they have older siblings, of course.、Um, they don't really have like. A whole bunch of opportunity to call somebody onni or opa,、um, or you know hyungnuna, whereas、right. like,、um, like specifically in my situation, I only had onni's and opas around me. So like,、um, that was like just like, you know, engraved to my lips, <laughs> growing、mm. up. Um, which is also funny because I'm the oldest, so I never had to call anybody that in my family, but. Um, yeah, I think that it's yeah, it is interesting. Interesting so, question. So, just I'm asking you this because you have a perspective of like someone younger than me, 
mm-hmm. and like I'm much more in the kind of the old, more older school, uh, like thought mind or th- thought pool or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so what I said in the in the podcast I did with uh, regarding this topic, I actually said that keeping the Hung culture intact as a part of like our Asian American culture is important is what I said. Do you feel the same way or are you do you think it's not as important to like try to cling on to that? Um I think um, I think I'm kind of one foot in one foot out. Um mm. in the sense of I do think that it is an important part of our culture um, in the sense of like, I think something that's really unique about not only Korean culture, but just Asian American culture or Asian culture is that um, there's this level of respect and understanding that's like kind of across the board, Um, whether it's to your parents, whether it's even to like your friends. um, I think there is like a certain level of understanding that um, or a certain level of respect that is there that really isn't there like in our American culture because like I feel like in the American culture everything's so casual um, like even if even when I talk to like my coworkers or like my bosses if they're older than me there's this like wall that comes over me where I'm like I have to be super respectful but they're just like hey what's up you know and it's it's so casual um, and you know, growing up, I think I probably wouldn't have said that it was a good part of our culture. I would have been like, this sucks, <laughs> mm. you know, having to be, you know, always like so respectful to like, you know, adults or like people older than you or even people like, um, you know, your age too. There's like that like small, but um, yeah. still that sense of like respect Um But now that I'm older, I really think that that is actually, like, kind of a beautiful part in our culture. And I think as we get older, like, there's a bigger appreciation for, like, that respect and, like, um, having that understanding of, like, having that respect for that coworker or that friend or that older brother, sister, your family, whomever, um, and you start to like appreciate it more than you did when you were younger. Um, but at the same time, I think the other foot is, um, while I do think it's really important, um, I also feel like if that is one part of the Korean culture that we lose compared to like the so many other parts of the Korean culture and Korean identity, I think it might be okay to lose, if that makes sense. Mm. Like yeah, I, no, for I, sure. yeah, I definitely sense. understand what you're saying, um, and obviously I agree in in that way. Um, but also at the same time, I think it wouldn't be the biggest deal <laughs> if mm. that were to go away. But um, obviously, like it's such a like um, relevant thing to me that um, it would still be very like sad. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely interesting to get uh, kind of a younger person's perspective on that, because 
Like I only really talk to people older than me about that,、mm. so it's a very limited view. But no, that, that's that's interesting. So th- thank you for your your perspective on that.、Um, yeah. So yeah, it's I think we're at the hour mark.、Um, any anything we wanted to talk about that we missed, Nina? Um, I think that was pretty much the chunk of everything.、Um, yeah. Don't really have too much going on in my life. <laughs> 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 well,、uh, well, not, you're gonna right. You're gonna be pursuing your your passion in yes. Coordinating, Maybe、so. I'll come back、um, in in like six months or so. Give you an yes, update、please. on how that's going. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, well, guys, uh, if uh, if you have any feedback or anything we talked about resonated with you, or if you simply just want to encourage Nina to pursue her dreams,、uh, please. Uh, you can email me at ihthtpodcast at gmail dot com or message me on Instagram at I hope they hear this or on Twitter at ihthtpodcast. And with the post that I put up related to associated with this episode, I'm gonna have Nina tagged. So if you just want to send her a message directly to,、um, you can do that. And、um, yeah, I'm sure she'll appreciate the encouragement. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for for listening. Nina, thank you so much for being on. I, did you feel like you were talking to me, or were you? Did it feel like you were talking to kind of like a different version of me? Um, I think I, for the most part, I think I was talking to you. You're definitely nicer on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, but you definitely、yeah. ask questions where I have to like stop and think. And、mm. that's like you in real life and on the podcast. So, for the most part, I think you were yourself. Yeah. Thanks for having me、okay. on. This was fun. <laughs> yeah. No. And then we'll, we'll we'll do it more often as you go journey down your path of、yes. event coordination. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, thank you guys、uh, for listening, and、uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Okay. I stopped the record. Can you stop the audio part? <laughs>